Welcome to this special edition episode of the Running Rogue Podcast. This is Chris coming at you from Austin, Texas with my track fan and fellow guru, Jogo, Jojo Gretchel. <laughs> Jogo, Jojo Gretchel, who will be, just like with USA's, will be previewing all the events coming up for the World Championships in track and field that's going to be going off in Doha starting this Friday, September 27th, running through Sunday, October 6th. So before we jump into the events, and we'll start as we normally do and go in order of the finals. The first event is on Friday the 27th, the Women's Marathon, which is kicking off the finals for for track and field. Before we get there, though, I just wanted to lay out some of the details about how you can tune in. First of all, NBC is your affiliate, at least for those in the U.S., so you can catch most of the action on NBC Sports Network or on the weekends on NBC itself. You can also watch it all behind the paywall at NBC Sports Gold if you have access, which also incidentally gets you access to the Berlin Marathon and Chicago Marathon coming up. And, well, New York is publicly available, but at least if you want to get ahead of it and get those other events, then this would be a time to invest. Let's quickly, though, talk about some of the storylines going in. JoJo, first and foremost, is that it's going to be hot. It's a hot one. Really hot. I mean, we're in Austin, Texas. It's been maybe one of the hottest summers on record here. It's still basically 100 degrees every day, (laughs) but can't even complain looking at the forecast for Doha. Yeah. It's crazy. If you look at the hourly heat index, and I'll be speaking in Fahrenheit at least for the Americans, the range is 105 to 118 heat index. It doesn't go below 105 at any point in the day, day or night. And that's crazy. The temperatures themselves range between 89 and basically 99 degrees Fahrenheit, but that heat index with the humidity there is just off the charts and is going to especially play a factor for those marathoners who are going to be out in the elements. As you were telling me and reminding me before we started, they actually have an air conditioning system inside the track itself. So those temperatures should be more manageable for the athletes. But I can't even imagine doing a marathon where the heat index is 105 and they're starting at midnight. They're starting at midnight, which is insane. Yeah, Uh, They're going to be in the dark. Why not just have them run in the stadium if the stadium <laughs> is more temperature controlled? That's what I'm wondering. 26 miles of uh, laps in the stadium? I mean, there's actually like a a false or misinformed report that was out today in a French newspaper uh, where they claimed that the women's marathon was actually going to be canceled. Uh, the IAAF made, came out and made a statement saying that that was not true. They do have contingency plans in case the weather is really bad and they need to make adjustments but those have not been put into play just what yet does that even but people mean? <laughs> people are already ready for like this to be a total mess <laughs> but what does that what does contingency even mean i mean what are uh, you gonna do you're gonna yeah, i mean well maybe throw air conditioners maybe out that on the is road in their back pocket that they'd cancel it if it if if it's it hotter was if it's hotter than expected i guess but the thing or maybe i mean maybe there is an option to just have them run in the stadium <laughs> or like do do some kind of loop where they do a couple miles around the stadium and then back out again. I don't know. I see that as unlikely. But <laughs> the thing that is true is that this is not surprising in the least because when Doha was chosen for the world champs, we all knew that it was going to be hot. Part of the reason why they chose a later start date in October, late September, early October is because of the temperatures. So this was already something that was a consideration. There are no surprises that it's going to be this hot. They set that midnight start time a while ago with the temperatures in mind. So I don't even know why we would be talking about it as it is no surprise that it's that it's hot. I right. mean, that's what everybody anticipated. And the athletes going there knew it too, including that midnight start time. So... Really, everybody came in eyes wide open knowing that this would be the scenario. But the question is, how does that affect the race itself? And that's going to be really fascinating, if if not also in some ways scary to watch because of the conditions. We'll get to all of that in a second. The good news for us, though, 
at least watching from the U.S., is that because of the seven-hour time difference to Eastern time and the eight-hour time difference to Central time, that women's marathon, which starts at midnight, will be going off late afternoon here. So perfect time to to settle in with some dinner and watch the close of that of that marathon on NBC Sports Gold. That's right. So that's something to think about and look forward to. I will say also we've got boots on the ground, so to speak, in Doha in that Sasha Golish, a many time now guest of this podcast, is running for Canada in the marathon. And I've been checking in with her on Facebook Messenger and I asked her about the reports today of them potentially canceling the marathon and she confirmed that she thought that was just a story made up by somebody to create news interest that she's preparing to race on Friday night, even if it's going to be tough. Has there anything, has she been doing anything specific to be ready to run in that kind of heat? I didn't ask her that, but I mean, the one benefit is that it, at least she's trained through the summer in a sense. And yes, she's been training in Toronto, so it hasn't been as hot as it would be here. But I did see a post from her a couple of weeks ago that when the cool temperatures were a little bit cooler on a certain few days in Toronto that she was wishing the warm temperatures would return so that she could get ready right. for what was to come. But enough about the temperatures. We'll talk a little bit more about that in the context of the marathon in a second. We also need to talk about the potential attendance at these events. So one of the reports that also came out recently was that they'd only sold about 50,000 total tickets for the 10 days of the event and that they might be bringing in migrant workers and children to effectively fill the stadium and make it look like it was well attended. The stadium itself seats 48,000 people. And so if the reports are true, they've only sold about a stadium's worth of tickets for 10 for days. Ten days. <laughs> yeah. So what do you make of those reports? I mean, well, it's funny because the gymnastics world championships were in Doha and they kind of have a similar problem where not that many people are buying tickets to go see this event in Qatar. And it it looked like they were in an abandoned like high school gym. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> like literally no one is there. Like Simone Biles is like flipping all over the place, you know, having these like viral moments on social media and then it the camera pans back and you're like wow Crickets. literally only the teams are there uh so <laughs> there is some precedent there <laughs> yeah so we might have a similar scenario just keep those close-ups coming yeah <laughs> don't, don't pan to the <laughs> don't pan to the stands but it also goes to Really, I mean, this really falls on the IAAF, in my opinion, about why are we doing this in Doha? I mean, this is... Right, especially because I mean, they've had to adjust silly. so many things with, like, having a race at midnight and having it the whole meet so late in the year. It just seems crazy. It's silly, but it just goes to show you that the IAAF will do anything for probably what boiled down to, to money, right? Because I'm sure Doha and the, the, the Qatar group put up a lot of money to make right. this thing happen. And maybe that enriched individual pockets of IAAF members. We don't know, but it just points to the fact that I, I don't even know why we're doing this. I hope it doesn't ruin some of these events for the sake of the athletes because, because the comp the period of competition is corrupted by the, the circumstances under which they're competing. We still see. We'll see. Yeah. So with that, let's jump into the women's marathon. And again, we'll go through in order of finals. And again, we've got 10 days to cover. So we'll be chunking this up a little bit. The first one happening on Friday night, again, starting at midnight in Doha and 5 p.m. in Eastern time, 4 p.m. Central time is the women's marathon this field is pretty legit. We've got, I mean, it's at least stacked at the very top. Definitely. Not only in terms of the PRs of the field represented, but also accolades. I mean, just mentioning the name Edna Kiplagat, who's been a two-time world champion and last time finished second, obviously then indicates that the field is legitimate, but you also have the number three all-time marathoner and Ruth Chepkatich, if I'm saying that appropriately. How do you break down this field? 
Um, yeah, I mean, you've got, I guess, first of all, I'd want to say, you know, I feel like world championship fields can be kind of hit or miss sometimes. I mean, obviously the top Americans aren't going to this, but in terms of the international field, it's just definitely one of the more stacked fields in recent world championships history. You have five women who have run under 220, um, you know, another one, two, three, four, five who have run under 223. Uh, so just right there, you have a lot of women who have run really fast. You have the defending champion. Um, Rose Chalimo. Rose Chalimo. You've got Edna Kiplagat, who has won here twice and was second in 2017. And despite uh, her master's status is, I mean, she's not to get ahead of myself, but <laughs> she's going to be my pick for a medal for sure. She's um, not quite yet masters. She turns 40 in November. Okay. After the event. Okay. <laughs> but yes, she's knocking on the door. Um But yeah, it's a legitimate field. Yeah. Now, the question I have to struggle with or we have to struggle with in the context of the weather that we just talked about is how are those conditions 105 heat index going to affect the strategy of the race and ultimately who might end up on top. Now, ostensibly the East African runners should have an advantage theoretically because they're training in warmer conditions there. But how aggressive will they be in these conditions? Will this be slow, a slow start with a fast finish? Will somebody go out and keep it honest? Will that person blow up because of the conditions? Right. Because I feel like there's a lot of opportunity for quote unquote shrapnel from this field, depending on the tactics and it's hard to know exactly which way it's going to go, which I do think impacts significantly how you might pick the top three for yeah. this one. I think there's going to be a lot of casualties of the weather for sure. Um. <laughs> you also have, you know, in Ruth Chebgetich, she's number three marathoner all time. That's not a name we've heard, but she's around 217.08, third fastest, as I said, of all time. She did that at Dubai which as I often deride that race is a bit of a track race where they're basically trying to put as many people on the front behind pacers as possible, have them go out really fast, try to get really fast times. Right. Although she's also run 218 outside of that. She has. But my point being that somebody like that might want to push the pace, might want a faster overall race because of her history with these faster times. And so is she a runner who might take that initiative to lead the pack out hard or not? I don't know. Right. Uh, and she's also never actually run a world marathon major, which also makes her interesting because she hasn't faced, uh, you know, maybe as high a caliber field as some of these athletes who have run a lot of majors. I mean, certainly Edna Kiplagat runs multiple majors every year. We've seen her at Worlds, Olympics, uh, so she doesn't have that competitive experience. Right. And, and especially in more tactical affairs like Kiplagat, like Chalimo, like Rutiaga, who incidentally won Tokyo but is entered in New York as well shortly after this this race. So you also then wonder, is she somehow just showing up to put on the national kit but then going to DNF and save herself for New York right. using this as a workout of sorts. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of variables to consider. And I think that will both make it exciting to watch and also make it really difficult <laughs> to pick. And personally, I'm struggling with where to slot people just not knowing exactly how this is going to go out. If you had to predict the types of tactics we'll see, what would you say? Uh, I, I think, I mean, maybe someone will take it out hard, but I think it will be kind of a slow race. Uh, I think people will drop out regardless. And I think just whoever runs the smartest race and has the most left at the end will win. Um, okay. so I want to pick Edna Kiplagat for the win just because I feel like she's super experienced, um, has run, has won races in all kinds of ways. And I just trust her record. And I think she'll run a smart race. That's a good pick. Who do you have for second and third? 
Second and third. Going to make it up on the spot. <laughs> so <laughs> Figuring it out as we go <laughs> here. Yeah, this is hard. Um, yeah, I just don't have a great feeling about a lot of these really fast runners, to be honest. I, I just think it's going to be a messy race. Yep. Um, I mean, if the U.S. field... If the U.S. team we were sending was a little more experienced, I would like to pick an American to get an upset medal like uh, Amy Craig a couple years ago. Right. But obviously, she's, you know, like 10 seconds ahead of, 10 minutes ahead of what these women can do. Right. Uh, I mean, maybe I will go with, do I have to pick two and three right now? Yes. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I can start if you want me to. We'll come back to you. So I like your pick of Kiplagat in terms of tactics and the fact that she's going to be better in a, a, in a, a championship-style race where you have to basically respond to the conditions and respond to things as they play out. She's also raced in warmer temperatures at Boston, for example, and while the conditions there wouldn't have been plus 100 heat index, they would have been pretty warm when she won a couple of years back. So I do like that pick, but I guess my worry with her is that that she's just not as fast as some of these other runners. And so if it becomes a really tactical early race where it's super slow, but then picks up over the final 10K, 8 to 10K, you know, can she hang with the fastest at this point in her career. And so for that reason, I'm actually going to not pick her for the win. I'm actually going to go with Ruti Aga from Ethiopia for the win, which is a little bit of a risk, but I like the fact that she won in Tokyo in a pacer fair and I like the fact that she has a PR of 218, you know. So she's sub-220 PR recent, more recently. Kipagot hasn't run under 220 in a long, long time. I'm going to go with Ruth Chepgetich for second with the idea that she's still fast ultimately. And I, I think that if it does come down to a final 10K, that that's got to play to an advantage of at some at some sense it's just going to be about who's the fastest at some point it'll be just about who's the fastest and i'm i'm going to pick kiplagat for third because i do think she's a wily veteran that will hang around no matter what and she won't drop out she'll stay in the race and while there'll be lots of other shrapnel i think she'll still be in it so i'm going aga chebkatich kiplagat one two three and we'll see kiplagat occupy that third spot on the podium for the first time after having two golds and a silver already so what do you think um i'm gonna go with chepnagich for second and i'm gonna pick rosa durehi for third so two women who have run who've set course record in dubai in the past couple years uh similar weather right okay Well, that's good news. But as I said, it's wide open. And at this point, I in some ways feel like we're just pulling pulling shit out of the air, Jojo, on this one. It's going to be really hard, but it'll make it fun to watch. So let's talk about the Americans in the field briefly. As you said, we're not bringing our top Americans for a lot of reasons. One reason being that some top Americans are doing some of the majors coming up, including Berlin, Chicago, and New York. But another reason is because of the proximity of the Olympic trials in February. Some people just aren't racing this fall because they're saving themselves for that opportunity. We do have Roberta Groner, who is a 41-year-old athlete who actually last year PR'd at in a 229, which is pretty impressive for an older athlete. You've got Carrie Dimoff, who runs with the Bowerman Track Club, kind of pro group. She was 14th in New York last year. And then you have Kelsey Bruce, 
who ran a 231 PR in Houston this past January. She was also famously sent to the world championships by our friends from let's com as a, as a, I guess a, a wild card, <laughs> so right. to speak, an open entry for that event. So she'll be an emotional favorite. But as you look at those three Americans in the field, and I won't hold you to these predictions or score you on it in our prediction contest, but if you had to pick a top American woman, who would it be? Um, I I like Carrie Demoff for being the top American. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I think she's a pretty impressive athlete. I think she's, I mean, she's a, she's a runner mom, uh, you know, has come back from having kids and run extremely fast. Uh, I think a lot of people forget that uh, she has beaten Gwen Jorgensen on the track before. Uh, in the 10K. Yeah, and Carissa Schweizer. I think she be, beat Carissa Schweizer in the 10K. Yep. Uh, so she has some wheels. Um, yeah, I think after her, I'd pick Roberta Groner uh, and then Kelsey Bruce as my ranking. Those are pretty good picks. I'll agree with that. I think the, the advantages that Demoff likely has for her is that that access to the Bowerman Track Club resources, I'm sure they've done everything possible to prepare her for the conditions. And so my assumption is that while her PR might be slower than Roberta Groner, that she might be more prepared for the warm conditions. And so I like that pick for the top American. And I would agree with you on second and third as well. So we shall see. But as you said earlier, their PRs are 12 minutes plus slower than the fastest in this field in Ruth Chebkatich. So it's hard to believe that barring extreme circumstances that they would have a chance at getting a medal, but you also just never know with 105 <laughs> heat index. So maybe just maybe they could do some sort of miracle out there if everybody else just completely blows up. So everyone else is going to believe that French article. So that's right. Maybe they yeah. won't show. Oh, it's canceled. It's canceled. Yeah. I'm not coming. All right. So there you go. That's the women's marathon. As we said, it's going to be hot. It's going to be interesting Tune in on Friday for that. All right, now let's jump to the next final, which is happening on Saturday, the women's 10K. As we look at this field, JoJo, it seems like, from my perspective, there's three clear favorites competing right. for gold medal. You have Sifan Hassan, who we believe is doubling in this event, going to come back and race the 5K as well after running the 10K. And, of course, Sivan Hassan set the world record in the women's mile this year in Monaco, and I was in attendance for that. She's also run really well at the Diamond Leagues, including winning, winning both the 1,500-meter Diamond League final as well as the 5K Diamond League final. So we know she's on form. Then you have Helen O'Beary, the reigning World Cross champion, plus the reigning Olympic 5K champion, and... We know that while she's relatively new to the 10K distance, she's been on form recently, ran 10K at least at World Cross, so we know she can compete well over this distance. And then you have Letsinabet Gide, the Ethiopian athlete who actually has the world's fastest time in the year so far for the 10K distance by three seconds over her country woman, Netsanet Gudetta. So you've got Hassan, world record holder, Diamond League champion versus medalist in Obiri versus world's fastest in the year in Gide. Those three seem to be your favorites. And I think the question is, which one of those athletes will win and who will set the tone in this race? We'll also remind people that originally Almazayana, the reigning Olympic gold medalist was in this field were slated to compete as well. She's now pulled out due to injury, at least allegedly. I'm, I'm always skeptical about athletes that pull out of major championships because of injury. It seems to me like maybe they just don't want to be tested, but that's the cynic in me talking. So she's out leaving these three women to compete for gold. And then on the American side of things, you've got, yeah, you know, I would say legitimate contenders for potentially a bronze medal in Emily Sisson and Molly Huddle. Those names need no introduction. 
and while their PRs are are off or significant, not significantly, but are, are definitely slower than those three favorites, you got to believe that they'll be at least in it a little bit. So what do you think? How do you think this one's going to play out? Uh, I, I think just after the season that Safan Hassan has had this summer, it's it's hard, impossible to bet against her. So um, I was surprised to see that she was planning to double in the 10K and 5K because it seemed to make more sense. I mean, I guess the 1500 5K is a tough double, but uh, I was surprised to see her move up to the 10K, which should be interesting, but... Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of all in on Safan. I feel like we could see a little bit of the um, carnage we're expecting in the marathon where the weather gets to people because, again, it's, you know, the longest race on the track. So I think that weather will be a factor. Um, Even with the AC? Yeah, sure. (laughs) Uh, But I think, as you mentioned, it's kind of those top three are in a class of their own um and definitely the americans i think it's going to take some people dropping out uh or having a really bad day for huddle or sisson to really have a shot at meddling the other note on Asan doubling is that the the 5k final and the 1500 final are on the same day oh, so sh- so she yeah, so she had to pick okay although and technically she's still entered in all three right but there's no way she's going to double back and do both of those so yeah Rumor has it she's doing the 5K and 10K, but she could have easily have done the 15 and the 10K, which would have been a rare <laughs> double opportunity. Yeah. So you like Hassan to I win. Like You're not betting against her. Yeah. So who would you put for second and third? Um, I would put Helen O'Beary for second. Um, yeah, I mean, she always does well in championship races. She won the 5K at Worlds in 2017, um, won the Diamond League the past two years, not this year, so maybe, uh, yeah, she looked a little bit off in the final this year, but I think that she has a good championship record and that she'll bounce back. And so I'd put Gide, uh for third. Okay. Interesting. So it's not a bad set of picks there. Why Obiri in second? just I mean I think she has a good she's a good championship history uh I mean silver medalist I mean more in the 5k than the 10k uh because that's the event that she usually does at championships but silver medalist in 2016 uh diamond league wins 2017 2018 um Again, she was just fourth at the Diamond League final this year, but I think she'll lean on her experience, and I think she'll bounce back. She is a good tactician and really tough. I don't like the fact that it's hard to not pick Hassan for the win. Mm-hmm. I mean, she. I mean, she's basically trained for this just like just like Mo Farah did when he was working under Salazar. You know, they they really work on that finisher speed. And just like in the Diamond League final for the 5K, she relied on a really fast closing 400 to put everybody away. And I feel like we're basically in a situation where the same thing is going to happen here. And, you know, what will be a, you know, a more tactical final, an early pace so that Hassan can basically sit and wait as long as possible and then just blow everybody away at the end. And if the race plays out that way, then that's what's going to happen. There's really no picking against her. And the argue, or the question people would have to ask is, is there a way to beat her? And the natural answer to that is, well, the only way would be to, to get some sort of team tactics in play where you're trying to burn her legs off earlier by keeping the pace more honest. And then she still might after following that pace blow you away at the end and most likely she will i mean we've seen her run not just 1500s fast this year but also half marathon so we know that her range is there 
So I have to agree with you. I think Hassan's going to win, unfortunately, and I think she'll win. I think she'll wait as long as possible before she has to lead in typical, in typical fashion. And then, but I, I, but I think Gide will get second. So I'm going Gide second, Obiri third. Uh, my worry with Obiri is that is she on form? She didn't look as strong in the finals for the Diamond League in the 5K, but Gide has been strong. I mean, her... Her world best came from the Ethiopian trials for this. So it's, you know, from this year. So I'm going to flip second and third. I'm going to go Hassan Gide Obiri. And if we're picking a first American, I'm going with Molly Huddle just uh, for good measure. What do you think? Yeah, I'm going to go Huddle as well. Uh, she looked so good at USA's uh, just and it totally different league than the rest of the Americans like you can tell that even though Sisson kind of has her number in the marathon now she still like has a big advantage on the track I agree with that death taxes in Molly Huddle although one challenge Huddle has had is bringing her best in the actual global championships she's always brought it at USA's she hasn't always brought it at global championships notoriously she was nipped at the line by Emily Enfield in was that 2015 or 20 was that 2017 2015 and so is this an opportunity for redemption is this an opportunity for her to get it right i hope so it would be awesome to see her somehow some way sneak in for third as we're predicting it's unlikely but if i were rooting for somebody to do that it would certainly be molly huddle all right what so next as we as we progress through the field we go from Women's Marathon on Friday, Women's 10K on Saturday the 28th. The next final isn't until Monday, where we have three finals. The Men's 5K, the Women's Steeple, and the Women's 8. So let's break those down next. But, of course, that doesn't mean you can't watch some track action on Sunday as well, at least some distance action on Sunday as well, as there will be other prelims and things like that going on, even if there's not a final happening. So next we turn to the men's 5K. The big storyline here is country versus family <laughs> in a sense, right? You could put right. it that way because you have what appears to be the, the, the betting favorites and the top favorites are from Ethiopia but then you also have all three Inga Britson brothers, Jakob Heinrich and Philip, all in this race as well, all with a chance to potentially medal. Although, of course, Jakob is probably your favorite amongst the brothers. And yeah, there's Americans to talk about that might have a chance. But if you look at just the fields on paper, it would look to me like your Ethiopian athletes versus particularly Jakob Inga Britson would be the storyline that matters from the Ethiopian camp. You've got Salomon Berega, Gebruet, Hagos Gebruet, who won the Ethiopian trials and Mukhtar Idris, who has won this event before. So, and then of course their countrymen, Telehu and Haile, who also is in the mix and they get four athletes in this field because they have the winner from last time. So those four Ethiopians are like up against three Inga Britson brothers plus from the U.S., Paul Chalimo and Hassan Mead and Ben True, who took takes the place of Drew Hunter, who you interviewed and had to drop out because of injury. So that's basically your field. Ethiopia versus Inga Britson versus Paul Chalimo. So... As we break it down, I think to me, to be quite honest, it's hard not to pick an Ethiopian sweep. If I, if I as I'm yeah. looking at this, it's hard not to yeah, pick that. I, I want to think of a reason not to pick an Ethiopian sweep, and I think that reason has to involve a much slower tactical race. I think if if the Ethiopians are smart and they work together, then there's no reason they shouldn't sweep this field. I mean, they all have the fastest times in the world this year they've got the the championship they've got the championship record or not record but history they've got 
metals. I mean, they they have everything that you would want to say to say to indicate that they're potentially going to sweep. So as we look at this field, and as I just laid it out, it's hard to imagine the Ethiopians not sweeping. Let me just first ask you, what would be a scenario in which they don't, where Chalima or Inga Britson, an Inga Britson brother could get on the podium? What would you want to, how would you want to see the race play out for those other athletes to come into play? I mean, I think uh, Inga Brixton has one of the fastest, the two of the Inga Brixton brothers have the two fastest 1500 PRs in the field. So if it were to go out slow, if it ends up being a tactical race with a fast finish, I think there's a huge possibility that Jacob especially could come up for a medal. And I think I think there's a lot of fans who are hoping that might happen just because 19-year-old kid is pretty fun to root for. Um, and that would be the first Norwegian medal and first European medal in the 5K in a really long time. Um, yeah, I mean, especially, I mean, he got what second at the diamond league no third so i think it's possible yeah possible but will it happen sure (laughs) it could happen anything could happen anything could happen yeah okay so i'll i'll jump in here with the prediction i'm gonna predict that it doesn't happen that we get an ethiopian sweep that they figure out a way to work together, perhaps using Idris, who's defending world champion, but maybe hasn't been on form recently, perhaps using him as some sort of sacrificial lamb, so to speak, to to take the group out and keep this pace honest from the beginning. And I think the closer the times are to 13 flat, the better Ethiopians have a chance of sweeping. And so I'm going to go with Gebruet, for the win as he appears to be most on form from the Ethiopian trials. I'm going with Borrega for second place and not picking Idris, but Telehun Haile Bekele for third because he has the fastest time in the world this year in the 5K, but maybe doesn't have the same championship experience as the other two. So I'm going one, two, three, Ethiopia. What do you think? All right. Uh, I'm going to pick Jacob to get third just for fun. Okay. So Inca Britson third, who's second in. Uh, I mean, I first. think Gibberwed is going to be first. Um, And then I think Borrego will be second. All right. So we're agreeing on one and two. Yeah. Just disagreeing on third. Now, with that, do you think Chalima will be the first American? And if so, where does he fall? Yeah, I think Chalima will definitely be the first American. Um, I mean, I could see him finishing top five to top ten. It's kind of weird because I feel like going into this year, you know, he's meddled at the last couple global championships so it's been exciting to have that american medal threat especially in in the distance events we don't get that all the time yep but so you know there is a chance that he's able to put things together um and regain that form but so far this year he doesn't really seem like the same runner um so i feel like a top five finish would be good for him I could also see him finishing like seventh or eighth or tenth, but I don't think I think far and away he's the best American in the field, still. For sure, I'm gonna put him in at fifth. Okay. Just to have a spot for him, I do think Inga Britson probably finishes fourth in my list, and then I'll put Chalimo in right after that. The challenge for him has just simply been that he has not been on form this year, really. You know, he got beat at the U.S. Trials by Lopez. And and so it's hard to believe that suddenly now he's on the same form that allowed him to get medals before. Right. So I think he'll be in the mix, but probably a well-beaten fifth. But it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see 
how those three brothers finish. And because I could see if Jacob in my predictions finishes fourth, I could see the other brothers being sixth and seventh potentially. And you might have three brothers in the top seven or eight at Worlds, which would be really, really crazy. All right. That's your 5K. But again, I do think the storyline to watch will be how how honest will the pace be? Will the pace be and will the Ethiopian athletes work together to keep this honest? Keep this honest from the beginning. Our next event, the women's steeple, where the Americans finished one and two last time. And Emma Coburn is there to defend her title. Although the Kenyan athletes are already talking a little bit of trash and saying they're coming for the sweep. Right. As the Kenyan athletes all finished from what the pictures show hand in hand side by side at the at the trials at the Kenyan trials so you have Chip Kowich the Kenyan top Kenyan who's the world record holder you have Ivan Kenyang Kenyang who is the second fastest has the second fastest time in the year this year in 903 she's also going to be in the mix and Celephine Chespol who has the fourth fastest time in the world this year in 906 those three kenyans go up against emma coburn and courtney frericks to see who can now be on top incidentally from from for the other americans calling quigley it looks like likely she will be a a dns a did do not start for this event if you follow her on social media you'll know that she's been dealing with injury and while she is currently traveling to doha it doesn't look, at least from her updates, that she'll be able to actually get on the starting line. So I don't know what that means, to be honest, for a potential other American to jump in. But you'll have at least three Americans, including Ali Ostrander, who w- was the one that earned that fourth spot with Emma as the as the defending champion. So Kenya versus USA. Kenya trying to get back on top is your storyline here. I think most likely from a tactic standpoint, you'll see Beatrice Chepkoech go out hard as she has done all year. Even in the Diamond League, she was out running the Pacers early in the in the race. She also did that when she got the world record last year in Monaco. So it's probably easy to predict how this race will go. It'll be Chepkoech hard, and then everybody else kind of trying to figure out where they slot in, including Emma Coburn, trying to, to gauge her efforts to potentially catch Shepkoich if she falters at the end. How do you think this one's going to go? Will Shepkoich, who even though she's not defending champion, but probably is the favorite going in as a world record holder, will she win? Yeah, I, I do think that Chep Coach will win. Um, I mean, it was kind of a freak thing that she didn't win in 2017. Uh, I don't know if you remember the race, but she basically forgot about the first <laughs> water jump. And then, yeah. you and know, then it, fell. then it was over. And she also fell and or got f- tripped up later. Yeah. Um, so I don't think that that happens again. <laughs> Uh, I mean, she's just so much better than everybody else that it would take something ridiculous like that to happen for anyone to have a chance of beating her, in my opinion. Um, Yep. So then who goes second and third? um, I mean, from there, it's interesting. I want to say that I do see Emma Coburn getting on the podium again and getting a medal. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's sort of looking at it and deciding like where she slots in. Yep. Um, Yeah. So I see Chip Coach winning. Um, I mean, I'm going to say Coburn gets Coburn gets second. Uh, Okay. And I'm going to, I'm going to go with Kayang for second place just because I mean, Emma has run the fourth fastest time in the world this year. Uh, right. You know, chess pole has run. I thought it was third, but yeah, but she's right there. 
the list I'm looking at is fourth. But um, only two people ahead of her are at Worlds. Got it. So I guess I'm just going to go with the descending order list and say it's Chepkowicz, Kayang, Coburn. But you know what? I'm going to say Co- Coburn is going to get silver. Got it. I believe in Coburn Emma, second. But I do believe that Chepkowicz is going to win. So, yeah. I think second's the best she can do, probably. Yeah, I agree with you on Chip Goetch. She's going to get the win. I think it would take a dumb mistake, just like what happened in 2017, to prevent that from happening. As you said, she's pretty much a cut above. And even though at times she showed that she's faltered off of the fast early paces, including at Zurich this year, at Zurich this year, I think she'll be measured. She wants the gold. She wants the win. She wants to take that title back from the Americans. And then, as you say, it's a question of really who's second and third. I do think we have to give more consideration to Freericks here. Because if you remember the last year, Freericks beat Emma in Monaco when Shepkowicz got the world record and is usually on form later in the season. We also don't we don't know how much on form because Jerry doesn't race his athletes very often and she hasn't raced as far as I know since USA's. So what does that mean for her? Will be will she be in better form than Coburn just like she was at Monaco in August of last year? That we don't know. I also think that if you go back and watch in 2017, Fricks in some ways threw away her chance of get, getting gold when she lost a little bit of focus going into that last water jump because she was looking at the scoreboard and I think surprised by her position and more than she was ready to mm-hmm. take advantage of her position. So in some ways, she may have even been ready to have beaten Coburn in 2017 who had the perfect final water jump. So... I'm a little bit torn. Part of me wants to put Frerix on the podium instead of Coburn. I do think there will be an American on the podium. And then the question is, which one and in which spot? Mm. I'm going to go with Ken Yang for second. I think she is strong. Second fastest time in the world this year. Shows from the Kenyan trials that she's on form. And then... The big question is which American will be third because I do think they're the either Coburn or Fricks will be third. And just to keep it interesting, I'm going to say Fricks. Okay. Sneaks <laughs> sneaks in for bronze, beats Emma by maybe a hair, and Coburn gets fourth. Now, whether Coburn or Fricks wins between the two of them, uh do you think it'll take an American record? Do you think either of them will break nine in this race? No, I don't think I don't think so. I think Chep Coach could break nine, but I don't see You don't any, think anybody the, the else. field it'll be that fast? I don't think anybody else will. Because I the way I see this happening, and it's a good question, but the way I see this happening is that Chep Coach is gonna go off the front and everybody else is gonna let her go, knowing that they can't hang with her pace, whatever it ends up being. And so then it becomes a battle of the next for second and third, basically. And I just don't think the pace will be honest enough for that battle for second and third in order to get under nine. Because none of the women in that in that room in the rest of the field will be sub nine players. Right. So I think it'll be north of nine. I do think it'll be low nines where it falls. I don't know. But. I do think Ken Yang will be the one to beat. And then it'll be a Coburn versus Ferex for bronze. That's my prediction. Do you think it'll go go sub nine? Um, I think that it could. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. They. I feel like they usually run pretty fast in championships. Uh, yeah. I think Coburn is going to take the American record back. And she's going to okay. get silver. Okay. Big prediction. Yeah. Coburn and Silver for the American record. Which would mean she has to go sub nine because Perx was just over nine. Right. When she ran it in Monaco last year. So that that's but that is an interesting race within the race. 
that we'll have to pay attention to. Honestly, as I think about these races we've talked about so far, this one is most intriguing for me. Yeah. Well, most of them don't have like, I feel like it's more exciting when there's an American in the mix. And in this one, there's two Americans who we can legitimately talk about. Plus, you have the extra storyline of like, can they take down the American record? And the fact that they're both like so close to each other is pretty exciting. Yep. Speaking of exciting, let's turn to the women's eight, which is the next final happening on this Monday. Also exciting for the American fans. Ajay Wilson for the win. And now you have four Americans in this (laughs) field. So you're picking Ajay Wilson. I mean, that really is the storyline, right? It is her race to win and lose with Castor Semenya not competing because of the IAAF ruling about her testosterone levels. So that leaves Ajay Wilson as the clear favorite. Natoya Gould from Jamaica would be the clear second favorite of the of the rest of the field. You're saying she's going to deliver? Yeah. Will she deliver? Yeah, for sure. Is there a reason to think she wouldn't? No, I think she's <laughs> she's really clearly proven that um you know, when DSD athletes are taken out of the equation, she's the best. Not just the best in terms of PRs and speed, but also the just the best in terms of tactics. Yeah. I mean, she just, she can do it any I mean, which won, way. She hasn't lost to a non-DSD athlete in like two years in the 800. And she does it every which way. She does it from the front. She does it from letting somebody else lead. I mean, there's, she just, if... I mean, if it's death taxes and Molly Huddle for U.S. championships, it's death taxes and Ajay Wilson for right. for 800 meter races, where, as you said, non DSC athletes are are the only ones present. So Wilson for the win, and I'm not going to argue you there. I think that's an easy pick. It would take some shocking happening for her not to win tripping over somebody or somebody tripping her that to me is what it would take but she typically puts herself in good position so it's unlikely that that would happen to her second and third well Um, so do you think there's a chance uh for another american i mean ashley wilson it's almost a given she's (laughs) she's gonna get get top she's gonna she's She's gonna gonna make the podium yeah do you think someone else will too American ones. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I think if you look at this field, you'd, you'd have to maybe argue that, that it, you know, I think it would be more likely maybe that it that it happens than it doesn't happen with two Americans on the podium. If you look at the PRs and the fastest times this year and the fact that we have four Americans potentially in the mix here, of course, the top three being clear potential medal threats and Hannah Green and and Raven Rogers outside of Ajay Wilson. But beyond that, and Natoya Ghoul, I think the Americans can compete with anybody. So, so absolutely. Of course, I think that we could have two Americans on the podium, which is there, is there any stat on the last time that happened in an 800 or if it has ever happened? I don't even know. Um, well, I think whatever year, uh, Brenda and Alicia got medals, reallocated and that's uh, maybe 2015 that's right so you're right you're right about that so i mean technically but yeah at the time so so yeah so it's happened before after reallocations could happen again if it were to happen again or if there was a second american on the podium Hannah Green or Raven Rogers? Who's your pick? Raven. Why? Um, I think that, I mean, obviously Hannah looked better at USA's and beat her at USA's, uh, but I think Raven getting second in the Diamond League final was really big for her. Um, yes. She and Wilson went one, two there. Yeah. Taking down Natoya Ghoul from Jamaica, who, you know, was one of the few other people sort of in conversation of who could potentially be on the podium. Uh, I mean, I actually think that's my top three is 
uh, Wilson, Rogers, and Gould. Okay. In what order? In that order. In that order. Yeah. So Americans go gold and silver. And for you, you've got Jamaica in bronze. And Natoya Gould, for her, for her sake, she has the second fastest time in the world this year with 157.9. She has done well at major championships before, so she's competitive. And nearly beat Wilson earlier this year in the Birmingham Diamond League, although Wilson came back to, to rally for the win. So I agree with you. It's But to me, if you look at this field, it's the top four athletes are three Americans and then Gould. Because Hannah Green, not to be outdone, won the Paris Diamond League earlier this year in August as well. So we have very legitimate comp- contenders from an American standpoint, which is exciting. To be honest, I'm tempted to pick a one, two, three American sweep. That would be pretty cool. I don't think it... I, I was thinking about that earlier today. <laughs> I was like, do I dare? <laughs> do I dare? Because honestly, I'm still going to... I still like Hannah Green better than Raven Rogers for the same reason I picked Hannah Green for second in the USA's. She's better yeah. tactically. I do think when you have the three rounds of a global championship, there's more chance to screw things up, especially in that semifinal for these 800 meter runners. I'm worried that Rogers can make it through the rounds without making some tactical error, which she seems to always do. So if I'm picking an American on the podium, I like Hannah green mm. at least before Rogers, but I'm tempted to go Wilson green Rogers, one, two, three do with, it. with Gould and fourth. Do it. All right. So I actually, I just pulled up my word doc I made, and I misspoke. I didn't pick Natoya Gould for third. I actually picked Winnie Nanyondo from Uganda, who was third in the Diamond League final. Okay. Uh, yeah, so just never mind. <laughs> I need to change my pick. So uh, so you're going Wilson, Rogers. Nanyondo. Nanyondo. Yes. From Uganda. Yeah. So literally the same placing from the Diamond League final. Uh, Got it. Yeah. No, I was thinking about Ghoul, but she is a little inconsistent. She so. is. She is. She can sometimes tactically get caught out. So anyway, but going back to my picks, Wilson, Green, Rogers, I'm doing it. Going for the American sweep in the 800. That'd be awesome. That I mean, would how be, cool would that be? That would be bigger than... The steeplechase one two. Would it be bigger than the steeplechase one two? I don't know. I don't think so. Maybe not because, because there's more expect. of a, a history in the women's eight of Americans getting a medal. Yeah, well, and you know, and 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 Wilson's a favorite. Coburn and Ferks were not favorites to even medal last year. I mean, I mean, Coburn was a Coburn favorite. Was a favorite to medal. She was a favorite to medal, but not, not to, to win. win. Yeah, so I guess that changes it. I yeah. think that changes it. This is a, this be would be big though. This wouldn't shock people as much as that did last year. But when's the last time? I mean, technically, the eight hundred is a distance event. When's the last time Americans swept a distance event at the World Championships ever? Maybe a long time ago. We have to look that one up. Don't know. That would. Be I think huge. that would be big. Honestly, I think huge. that would be big, even if. Even if Ajay winning is not as much of a shock as like Coburn winning. Yep. So there you go. Potentially two or three Americans on the podium in the women's day. We're predicting it. You heard it here first. Then also happening. So that so those are the money events, the men's five K, the women's steeple, women's eight. Happening the next day. On Tuesday, 10-1 will be the men's 800 final where you also have an American favorite, Donovan Brazier, after winning the Diamond League. And a come-from-behind victory there that I talked about on the podcast. Now, given that he is not necessarily the fastest in the world, not necessarily the favorite, I guess from pure time perspective as Nigel Amos has the fastest time in the world this year. 
although that was in a obviously a paced affair this is a more tactical affair but in a lot of ways it's Amos versus Brazier right for one for the first for the top spot yeah on paper anyway on paper I feel like that kind of ignores the fact that Nigel Amos always comes in really hot and never does well at the global championship so I'm kind of I know he's kind of a favorite it's a favorite to win probably and definitely make the podium but I'm actually personally gonna pick against him just to be kind of a contrarian about it because <laughs> yeah he he doesn't usually do well yeah. but I mean I think he won the Diamond League last year so maybe I'm wrong well right I mean in some ways he's kind of like Brazier in a sense at least historically Brazier also hasn't been good in tactical championship style races he did race well at USA's and controlled that race better than I expected. And his tactics at the Diamond League final, sort of waiting and not going out with the hot early pace set by Amos, really allowed him to ultimately win that event. So it does seem like he's turned over a new leaf tactically that should allow him to potentially win this event. The other names we have to mention, you've got Ferguson Rodage from Kenya, second fastest time in the world this year. You've got Brandon McBride from Canada, who's not to be overlooked. He's got the fourth fastest time in the world this year. You've got Emmanuel Career, who was in a car accident, but has a history of being really fast right, just hasn't sh- crazy just <laughs> hasn't shown it recently because of that car accident and you've got other big names that will be potentially in and around adam scott who got a medal at the world's last time who actually won sorry won world indoors got silver at world outdoors in 2017 he's always in a good position tactically of the other Americans, you've got Clayton Murphy, who has an Olympic medal, where he finished bronze in 2016. So there's a lot of other names that could be in and around the top. But you've got to pick somebody, right? I'm going to go with Donovan Brazier for the win. Yeah. Americans sweep the top, the gold, the gold medals in the 800. I, I frankly just believe in Brazier I think he's not only fast on paper but he's figured out I think the tactical things that he needs to figure out to compete in a championship like this it's hard for me not to pick Amos in second after finishing second at the Diamond League so I'm going to go with him for second although I kind of want to reserve the right to repick after after the rounds just in case someone one of these guys is not in the final and then I like Adam Scott for third just because he's a guy who is tactically brilliant, the Polish athlete who always seems to be around the front. And I think he's someone who, if the pace is hot from either Amos or Brazier, who could pick up the shrapnel from others that might have tried to stay with a hot early pace, whereas you know he's shown the ability to be smart tactically and kind of come through late in races. So I'm going to pick the Polish uh, Adam Scott for third. Who do you like? Yeah, I like Brazier for first. Uh, I think this is the year that he, you know, really proves himself on the world stage for the first time. Uh, And how fun would that be for Wilson and Brazier to both come home with gold medals? Uh, Yeah, I'm kind of being a contrarian. I'm not going to pick Nigel Amos to make the podium. Uh, Just to be different, I think Adam Kajat is going to get silver. And then for bronze, I'm picking... I'm going to butcher this name, uh, but the Kenyan trials winner, his name is Najino Kipkadich. Uh, he's yep. 19 years old. Um, I think he's going to be the young hot stud to come in and, you know, run without any fear and, and mess up, mess up Nigel Amos. That's what I think. Fair enough. Interesting pick. But as you said, the trials winner from Kenya, which means he's got some speed. Right. Has beaten Rodich earlier this year, 
who has this, this the second fastest time in the world. So there you go. Brazier is our consensus pick for gold. Uh, two Americans winning gold in the 800. I wonder if that's ever been done. That would be something to look up. And we both like the bullish athlete on yeah. the podium. He's consistent. So there we go. Jojo, we are through half of the distance events. And I think we should split this into episodes. Come back next week and finish so up too. the remaining finals, which would be the final six events. We'll be able to check in and see how bad our picks are. <laughs> we'll be able to check in. this is a lot harder than picking USA. It is. It is. <laughs> so we'll, we'll be coming back to you next week with a midpoint update on World So Far as well as our final predictions for the final six events, including the men's steeple, the women's 15, the men's 15, the women's 5K, the men's marathon, and the men's 10K. So stay tuned for that. All of those events happen from or the over the final weekend the friday saturday and sunday of the final three days of this meet so check back with us next week so you can get part two of this episode and then see where we're see how we're doing on the prediction contest see who's leading jojo or i at the midpoint and then we'll pick those final six events so thanks for joining thanks jojo for joining me as always always a pleasure thanks for having to me. go back and forth we will chat again next week. And, of course, you can check us out at roguerunning.com or follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or the Facebook. Now, go set your DVRs, queue up your NBC Gold, watch these events, and we'll talk to you next week.